You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is going to be an incredible, exciting message. Uh, The book of Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And there's a real prophetic message that's in here that's for now. And it's a, it's a book that even though it's a small book, it's only four chapters, I could probably, I could do a series on this and probably do months because there's so much revelation that's in this book. And there's somewhere we're going to go at the end. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to start at the end of the story, and then we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're gonna, I'm going to walk you through to the end. And then I'm going to release a blessing over families today. It's very fitting that we had a baby dedication because at the end, we're actually going to, ble- we're going to speak a blessing over families today. And then I've got a couple words if we have time. If not, I'll give them after we dismiss. All right. Are you ready? Ruth chapter 4, if we can put it on the uh, screen. Let me open it up here. <clears throat> I'm grateful to have my voice back. Those of you that had to endure the last time. That was a challenge. Remember that. So Ruth chapter 4, it says, starting verse, we're going to look at verse, uh, let's do 11 and 12. And the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord made the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper and be famous in Bethlehem. How many believe that our goal should be to make Jesus famous? But it actually talks, there's two places in the Bible where it talks about he wants to make you famous because when you become famous, you make him famous. Amen? So that is our, that is our mission here. One of the things that we're after is we want to make Jesus famous, and that is, our, that is our goal in everything we do. Verse 12, this is our key verse. May your house... Be like the house of Perez. Somebody say Perez. Whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Take the hand of the person next to you. We're going to pray. Father, today let the word come with spirit and life. Let it transform us. Father, do what you desire to do and be glorified. And Lord, may the hand that we're holding receive breakthrough today in every part of their life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So in in chapter 4, let me just kind of set it up. Ruth Ruth ends up in this story. She goes from gleaning in the field to owning the field. And in this season, I want to speak to you, don't underestimate how fast God can turn your life around. Come on, y'all get with me. Y'all wake up. Bulldogs won yesterday. They barely did, but we made it. Come on. I want you to talk with me today. So he's about to turn. Somebody say he's going to turn my story around. Chapter 4 is the climatic end of the story of restoration through the release of words over Ruth and her family. And they said, make the name of Jesus be famous. May he be a restorer of life to you. And then they said, may your house be like the house of breakthrough. Now go to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to read five verses here. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A certain man in Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, 
he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Anemelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Chelon. I think that's how you say it. Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Anemelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left her and her two sons. And they took the two wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha. And the name of the other one was Ruth. And they dwelt there for about 10 years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the women, the women survived her two sons and her husband. Bethlehem, let's kind of set the story here and summarize it. There's a famine in the land. Bethlehem means house of bread. Judah means praise. And in famine, it's always a mistake to leave the word and to leave praise. When things change and are difficult and circumstances are not lining up with your promise, it's important that you continue to be in the word and you continue to give thanks and praise. How many believe that? And listen, if you're all word, you're going to dry up. Or you're, you're, if you're all word, you'll grow up. But if you don't have praise, you'll dry up. Because you need both. You need the word and the spirit. How many believe that? And so in famine, there's a famine in the land, and they are forced to move. They leave the bread and the praise, and they go to Moab. And Moab means idol. When you leave the word... And you leave praise, you become idle. And when you're idle, you begin to die. Let me say this. Whenever the church stops serving heaven's bread, people stop attending. What is heaven's bread? Heaven's bread is God's manna. It's God speaking to us. When we come to this house, we don't just try to bring a sermon. We want to bring a word from the Lord that has spirit and life on it. How many of you believe that? That's one of the things I love about this house. And so, uh, in the world, whenever the, the whenever there is a, there's always a famine in the world. There's a lack of joy. There's a lack of peace. There's a lack of hope. There's a lack of grace. But how I many know there's never a famine in the kingdom of God? In the kingdom of God, there is healing, there is love, there is joy, there's peace, there's righteousness. See, the world runs out of everything it has, but in the kingdom, there is only overflow and abundance. Of the increase of his kingdom and his peace, there is no end. In other words, there's never a time when God says, I don't have any more love. I don't have any more peace. I don't have any joy to give you. I don't have any more provision or healing. He says today, there is an endless supply. David said it this way, his mercy endures forever. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies where my cup overflows. But in the kingdom of God, the attributes of God never run out. They are inexhaustible. How many believe that? And that's where the world, people in the world see the difference between God's kingdom and the world's kingdom. And I believe in this day and age, we're going to see that even more, that there is a famine in the land. And so there is a famine. They move to Moab. The young men find wives. They marry two Moabite women. And in one horrific season of despair and death, every man in the family dies. First the father then the son, and then the second son. 
And Naomi almost overnight becomes a widow with no husband or children. She loses everything that meant anything to her. And so she gathers her two daughters-in-laws, Ruth and Orpha, and she says, Girls, I have no more sons. I'm an older woman. So I release you to go and start your life over. I don't have anything to give you. And the Bible says Orpha kisses her and leaves, but Ruth clung to her and says, not so fast, mama. I'm going with you, and your God will be my God, and your people will be my people, and where you go, I will go, and where you die, I will die. Let me say this this morning. This is not a season to kiss and leave. This is a season to be steadfast in the promises of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. Listen, he says don't turn back. Know that God is going to redeem it. He is going to provide and so Ruth says, I'm not leaving. How many of you say, I'm not leaving the promises of God? Two friends stay even, uh, let me say this, true friends stay even when you don't have anything to offer them right now. Now let that sink in. The test of life is this, hardships and heartache reveal the quality of your relationships. When people realize that they can no longer benefit from our lives, many will leave, but true friends will stay. How many are grateful for that? We find out who true friends are when they can no longer benefit from us. And it's a, it's a mistake when you leave because your friend may be in a pruning season, which is not a fruit-bearing season. But if you stay with them long enough, they're eventually going to come to the fruit season and you're going to get to partner with them to receive the harvest. Come on, somebody. There was no natural benefit. And Ruth spiritually said, nope. You think your story is over, but I see something in your future, and I want to be there when God restores your life. I want to stick around and see what God is going to do. Come on. So Ruth clung in on, her relation, on the relationship. Let me say this. You don't need a 1,000 friends. I can't handle a 1,000 friends. Or Robert said on his deathbed, one of my friends was in, his, his, uh, in the room when, when he was ready to pass and releasing a blessing, and he recorded this. Or Robert said at the end of his life, he said, if you have five true friends, you'll really be blessed. Because there's a difference between fans and friends. And the reality is as you go closer to God, the circle of your friendship gets smaller. Come on. I don't want to stay too long on this. If you just have one true friend that clings to you when your heart is broken and when life gives you disappointments and heartache, if you have that one friend, that one friend can make the difference. You don't need everybody. But I mean, no, you do need somebody. Come on. Let me go a little deeper. Maybe you're supposed to be the friend that sits around. Listen, it's important. I believe this is so important. It's important as kingdom ambassadors that we see value in people when they feel valueless. So now they're headed back to Bethlehem after 10 years in Moab. Naomi, the mother, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, 
They're entering the town, and everybody knows Naomi. Her family was from there. The women of the city had grown up with Naomi, and they start shouting, Naomi, Naomi, welcome home. How many know the church ought to do that when people come back? I said, how many know the church ought to do that when people come back? Because they are going to come back. Some of them are coming back. So every time they would shout her name, they were saying pleasant one. Pleasant one. Her name meant pleasant one. They were saying pleasant one. And she goes, stop it, stop it. She said, I hate my name. Why? Because my circumstances don't match my name. She said, call me Mara which means bitterness or bitter. She says, I went out full, but I'm coming back empty. Listen, there's something about the seasons of your life when you feel emptied out and you feel like you don't have anything left. There's people in this room that like, this is a little uncomfortable because some of y'all have just walked through this. I know what it's like to walk through this. When dreams are stolen... And life is full of disappointments. When there's crushing losses, there's something about a season that is so intense. And if you're not careful, the circumstances will try to strip your identity and tell you you are not who God says you are, that we are not the children of God, and that he doesn't love us, and that we've done something wrong. We have to fight through the fog of disappointments and never forget who God says we are. I'm going to say something. You ought to write this down. This would be good on your refrigerator or your mirror. Don't allow the highs and the lows of life to dictate who you are. So Naomi, I could camp right there. There's a lot in here, man. Naomi comes home. She's brokenhearted. Her name is now Mara. Now we're going into chapter 2. We have Naomi and Ruth. They're both widows. That's a story of generational breakthrough for the older and the younger. That's a whole other message. And in chapter 2, Ruth says, you know what? We got to eat. There's a famine in the land. So according to Levitical law, God always made provisions for the widows and the orphans, and they would leave about 10% of the crops behind. So Ruth goes into the field to glean, and she takes the crops that were left over for them intentionally by the reapers so that they could eat and they could also barter. And the Bible says she comes upon the field, and she happened upon the harvest. How many of you love some heavenly happenings? You, you know, I got a lot of heavenly happenings. I'll be in an Uber, and I'm just minding my own business, and there's somebody that God wants to encounter. Somebody say heavenly happenings. The dream that Chris said, I believe we're in a season of heavenly happens, happenings. And listen, it happens all the time. It's accidental to me, but it's intentional by God. How many say divine appointments? Here's another one you might want to write down. Hidden in life's disappointments are divine appointments from God. And if you can get past the emotional fog of disappointment, you will come into a divine interruption that will happen in your story that will cause your story to end well. Come on. So Boaz, let me see. Let me make sure I'm, I'm skipping some. She happens on the field. That belongs to Boaz, the godly, 
the rich and the bachelor. He's wealthy. There's a TV show right now. I don't watch it, but he's wealthy. He's famous. He's godly. <laughs> he's the best bachelor. He's a great catch, but nobody's caught him. Boaz sees Ruth gleaning in the field, and he goes, whoa, who is that beautiful woman? And he asks about her, and he finds out about her godly behavior in a difficult season. That's another message right there. Man, I wish I could camp in here. I remember when David was being chased by Saul, it said he behaved wisely. There's something about people that keep their integrity even when things are not going well. Come on. Boaz is, that's a good one. I could really, I felt the anointing on that. There's some people in this room, you have behaved wisely in the season of difficulty and adversity, and God is always going to reward you. Come on. So Boaz is impressed by her integrity before he is captured by her beauty. Right? The most beautiful makeup and clothing that a woman can have is to be godly. I'm grateful that my wife is godly. Now, listen, I'm not telling you not to wear makeup, but I am telling you to be godly. Come on. Y'all look quiet today. Boaz says to his reapers, leave her alone. There's a see, Terry's over here like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the women are going to start throwing. No, I'm speaking. You guys are godly. You're not just beautiful. Come on. Yeah. There's a season that you, you know, Boaz says to the reapers, leave her alone. He says, don't mess with her. And I want to speak this to you. There's a season you're about to walk into where God says to all the nonsense, your time is up. Leave her or him alone. And then he comes to her and he says, I give you permission. This is my field. Stay in this field. Some of you are about to walk into a field of favor. Well, it's not about anything you did. It's just because God loves you and you're one of his favorite sons and daughters. Amen? So it was a huge field, but there was a portion of it that belonged to him. And he says, stay in this section of the field. You have my permission. You have my protection. And we are going to leave bundles of blessings on purpose for you. So she starts reaping. And it says everywhere she went in that field, she picks up handfuls on purpose. It was crop that was already harvested and bundled, and all she had to do was pick it up. I'm reminded of a church in Indiana. It's in, somewhere in Indiana that I was, actually someone paid for me to go there for a conference. And they were a church that for 10 years, they never went over 100 people. They had, I know, I'm, the pastor's telling me this story. They, they would go to get to 100, then they would go back down, then they would go to 100, then they'd go back down. Never could break 100, 100. But in the 10th year, they were contending for a move of God, and a move of God came. And when it came, literally in one year, they went from under 100 to 1,000 plus people and have been growing ever since. And that's not the best part. They didn't have a building for the growth that God was producing and the city I'm shortening the story they built a state of the art 
uh, civic center, community center, and in the end, they end up giving it to Whitehorse Christian Center for literally nothing. And inside of this building, I walked in the building, they gave me a tour. There were paintings in that building, Chris, that were worth thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. They were lined up on the wall, the most beautiful facility that I have ever seen. And what's even greater is the glory of God is in that building. Listen, if God can do it for them, God can do it for us. Oh, come on. Don't give God a patty cake. Give him some praise. It was funny. Y'all laughing. They love this one. The old Pentecostal in me. I'm glad you let me be me. It was fully furnished, and she walked into it. She walked into a field where every need was met. All she had to do was pick it up. And I believe that God is about to walk into your life. I don't know what heartache you've been through, but I've got a word for you. Just keep walking forward. You're about to find handfuls on purpose left in your field, and all you're going to have to do is pick it up. Come on, somebody. Father says, just pick it up. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some of that. I've had to fight for some things. I've had to scratch for some things. But I'm looking forward to a season where I just get to pick it up. Come on. A season of unexpected breakthroughs where everything that you've been through will be worth it. She comes home to Naomi and she comes with armfuls of blessing. Sounds a little bit like Psalms 126. When he turns your tears into harvest. Come on. And she says, look, look what happened. She's excited. Naomi says, this is it. She says, that guy likes you. That's a, and, and Ruth doesn't even notice it. She's just so excited about the harvest because she's not going to starve in famine. But Naomi goes, that man's got his eye on you. How many know that you can tell how good a story is by the ending? And we begin to see in this story there's going to be a good ending. She's been through a lot, and Ruth doesn't realize what's happening. She's clueless. Some of you are about to be clueless in what God's about to do for you. In chapter 3, how are we doing? We're doing good? Y'all tracking with me? We're in chapter 3 already. Naomi says, here's what I want you to do. Ruth, put on your best clothes. Anoint yourself with perfume. Tonight when he is at the threshing floor and he's tired and he's getting ready to go to sleep and he's resting, go and lay at his feet. Now, this was a Hebrew custom that the way a man would redeem a person, is a, it's a beautiful example of God redeeming us, is they would go and lay at the feet. And if he covered them, he was saying, I accept you. I am going to redeem you. I will pay whatever needs to be paid for I am redeeming you. And so let me give you the picture of the threshing floor where he was. The threshing floor was a large flat stone surface. They would take the crop, which was all together, and there was grain in it, and it was covered by a stalk. So they would take an ox, and they would tie it with a rope to a pole, they would lay all that grain on the floor, and the oxen's job was to walk around crushing the grain, separating the valuable from the invaluable. Somebody say process. One of the things I love about championship teams like Georgia and Alabama 
It's one of the things those coaches always say is trust the process. Let me know that when you get in process, it's really God saying, welcome to the kingdom. Crunch, 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 crunch. Craig, you wouldn't believe what I've been through this year. Yeah, but it's going to end up so sweet. Sometimes God will send an ox into your life, and everything is crunched, and there's a mixture of that crunched stalk and the valuable weighty grain. So they would take a winnowing fan, they would throw the wheat and the chaff up in the air, and the wind would blow away the invaluable, come on, that's a message right there, which was light, and the grain, because it was heavy, would fall back into the threshing floor. Man, I want to say something. God's getting ready. He is actually, some of you think you're in a season of diminishing, but it's not a season of diminishing. It's a season where God is removing the light, which is invaluable, so that the valuable can come forth. Come on, somebody. That's what Boaz was doing. Jesus was at the threshing floor. And when he says, when you say, like I do all the time, Jesus, make me more like you. Hold on, you better put some praise and music on. You better pray in the spirit because there might be some crunching in this season. It's like I can remember the old song. Lord, I want to be more like you. Jesus, I want to be more like you. And then all of a sudden, crunch, 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 crunch. And I'm like, what's going on? And God says, it's okay. It's going to end up good, and you're going to be worth more than you were ever worth before, and you're going to have value that's added to your life. Come on, somebody give God praise for that. She comes and lays at his feet, and he's asleep. He wakes up, and this would be a surprise. He wakes up, and he sees her laying. You know, we don't understand because the custom was different. If that happened today, oh, my gosh. Um... She was laying at his feet. Now it's dark. He can't see her. He says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth. Now he'd already asked about her. So when she says her name is Ruth, he goes, bingo, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, somebody. She said, he says, I give you the rose. She said, I want to see if you want to redeem me. He says, yes. And he took his garment and he covered her. How many of you are are thankful for Jesus for covering us? How many are glad that his love covers the multitude of sins? When he covers her, the marriage was set. It was like a marriage proposal. And so she waits up before dawn. She runs away because she didn't want people to get the wrong idea. Now, listen, it wasn't immoral. It was actually godly. She runs away to tell Naomi. Boaz (coughs) goes to the elders, and he said, I'm not the closest relative to Ruth. There's another man 
that is closer. And Boaz goes to him and says, you can redeem her if you want. And at, at first, he says, I will redeem her. But then Boaz tells her, if you redeem her, you're not only going to get the land, you're going to get her. He was already married, and he was afraid that he would lose his inheritance. So he changes his mind, and Boaz takes off his sandal. I can't take off my shoe. And he redeems her, and they end up getting married. Now, sometime later... I put in my notes suddenly, but I mean, no, it wouldn't be suddenly. But sometime later, she has a baby whose name is Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse, and Jesse has a son named David, and David is the great-great-grandfather of a man named Jesus. Come on, somebody. You see how the story? So in closing, isn't that good? I'm already at my closing. The woman said, he said, that's a miracle. It must be a breakthrough season. <laughs> the woman said to Naomi, and I didn't even know we were doing baby dedication. I would have, yeah. So the woman said to Naomi and Ruth, watch this. They said, may your house be like the house of Perez. Now stay with me. This is the most important part. Perez was a relative going all the way back to Genesis 38. A woman named Tamar marries into a dysfunctional family led by Judah, the praise, the praiser. She marries Judah's firstborn son, Er, and the Bible says the Er was so wicked that God killed him. How many know you got to be really wicked for God to kill you? So by tradition, she was childless, and so she was given to the next son, whose name was Onan, and they, he enjoyed the physical intimacy, but he would not impregnate her. And when God saw this, he said he is evil, and he kills Onan, the second son. And then there was a third son whose name was Shelah. Now, how many know, by the, this time in the story, if I'm the father of, of the, child, the sons, and my first two sons have already been killed by this black widow, I'm probably not going to give my third son. Come on, you get the idea. So he, uh, when it comes time that the third son, he promises Shelah, but he says he's got to wait until he's a little older. <laughs> But he has no plans to marry her into the family again because he blames her for the death of his sons. But it was actually, this is a whole other message, the stronghold of immorality that destroyed his sons, but he blamed her. So now she's getting older. She's still without a child. And she says, he lied to me. He isn't going to give me his last son. So Judah's wife dies she, Tamar hears about it, that he's going on a business trip, and she hears about this trip, so she goes ahead of him, and she goes and buys some, this is going to be a PG, the best of my ability, she goes to buy some lingerie, she puts on her best perfume, she puts some music on, come on, a little love, and sits along the road that Judah is traveling. Now, I realize Judah's just lost his wife. How many know when you're vulnerable is the time when the enemy is crouching at the door to get you? It's when you're vulnerable. That's why you need friends. Come on, somebody. So here comes Judah. He sees her, and he ends up going into her tent to, you know, a little get it on. 
I think the kids are back there. They're going to have some sets. She goes in and outside of marriage, and she asks, <laughs> she says, what will you give me for payment? He says, I ain't got anything, but I'll, now this is really funny to me. I don't know if it is you. Later on, I got a goat I'll give you. I'm going to trade you a goat. Come on. Y'all are slow. Y'all are slow. He's, he goes, she said, but I need something now. So he takes his staff and his seal. He has sex with, with her. Now, this is another funny part. He don't even recognize her. He comes back from his trip on the return route. And when he goes back to the place where she was, Chris, he looks for her, but he cannot find her. This story, I mean, if I really took some time, it is hilarious. It is hilarious. She looks for him, for, he looks for her, and he cannot find her. He's actually got the goat with him. And when he comes back, he says, well, she's gone. He asked and said, no, she was, nobody knows who she was. So he says, well, I guess it was free. It's not going to cost me anything. How many know that's the biggest lie of the enemy? It will always cost you. Now, God is merciful and God is gracious. But how many know that your decisions do have an impact on you and your family? And thankfully, God restores and renews, but sometimes we have to pay the... You know, there's only two kinds of sin. There's a sin that you pay for now, and there's a sin that gets you in the behind later. But thank God for he's a merciful. His mercy is new every morning, amen, because I made a lot of mistakes. So a few months later, guess who's pregnant? Tamar. And when they find out, they bring her... This is so much a picture of the religious church that does not understand kingdom. They bring her in their self-righteous anger. They throw her at the feet of Judah, planning on stoning her. They've all got stones in their hand, and they say, how dare you play the harlot? You have shamed Judah. And they're getting ready to stone her. There's another funny part. She says, hold on. Hold on. Give me just a minute. She said, let me go get the staff and the seal of the man who got me pregnant. Now, Judah is clueless. She goes and gets it out of her tent where it was hidden. She brings it and throws it at the feet of Judah. And she says, the man who got me pregnant also gave me this staff and this seal. And then Judah says, hmm. I think we ought to be merciful. Mercy, mercy. Come on. Y'all getting my singing is not good, is it? Later, tomorrow, later on is in labor. And she's giving birth to twins. Now, somebody say twins. I want to prophesy over every person in here today that has had to wait too long. You've had to go through, you've made some mistakes along the way like I have and still do. I made mistakes yesterday. I'm not talking about sin, but sin is mistakes. When you miss the mark, that's sin. And I made some mistakes yesterday, but thank God his mercy's new. I got angry about something. Now, we're not even going to go there because I'll give all. So let's, let me just take that off the tape, rewind or whatever. We make mistakes along the way. We've had difficult circumstances. 
I want to declare over your family today. I want to declare over your business. This is why I came. I want to declare this is a season of unexpected breakthrough. This is a season for your dreams to be fulfilled. This is a season where there's going to be double for your trouble, double in your business. Come on, somebody. Double in your ministry, double in your family. Come on, somebody. Y'all think I'm just being cliche. He's just being evangelistic. No, double in your finance. This is not a gimmick. It was part of the Abrahamic blessing, and it's double-double. Come on, somebody say double-double. For all of your trouble, may God give you double. For all of your shame and disappointment, your loss, your hardship, I declare double over you this morning. Double healings, double testimonies. Come on, somebody. Job lost everything, but when he forgave those who were really not his friends, God gave him, when he let go of the past, God gave him double. And he said, I'm not done with you. Listen, the God of double portion has his eye on you this morning. He has not forgotten you, and he is not done with you. Come on, somebody. There's a Hebrew, let me finish this story. There's a Hebrew custom the oldest son got the double birthright blessing. And as Tamar is in labor, a hand comes out, and his name was Zerah. And the tradition was when this hand came out, the hand that came out first, the handmaiden would take a scarlet thread and tie it around his wrist to mark him as the firstborn that would get the double blessing. So she says, you are first, Zerah. Zerah's coming out, his hand's out. And then all of a sudden... Zara's hand pulls back, and there is a repositioning in the womb. There's a wrestling, and the other baby's hand comes out, and the handmaiden says, how did you break through? And she says, your name will be Perez, which means unexpected breakthrough. Listen, I came here this morning to tell you that Papa is about to blow some people's minds. And he, people are going to say about you in this house, how did you break through? How did you overcome that? You don't have a red ribbon. Yeah, clap if you want. Give God praise if that's you. You don't have a red ribbon. You're not the most likely to succeed. If I had time to tell you my story, I don't have a red ribbon, but I've got the blood of Jesus. And I don't know what your story is this morning, but when God steps into your story, he will cause you to break through. So the woman said, just like Perez broke through and was summarizing in Ruth 4, just like Perez broke through, you have broken through. And they took the baby Ruth, and they gave her to Naomi. Now pay attention. They give Ruth's baby to Naomi, and she nurses him. Now, that's a miracle when God enables Naomi to have physical milk for this baby. Come on. That's another redemptive miracle. That's a whole other message, too, but I'm not going to go there. She lost her husband. She lost two sons. And now God has restored her, and the future was brighter than the past because God is a God that restores everything. Come on, somebody, give God praise for that. Listen to me. This is what I want to tell you. I'm done. If it's not good yet, it just means that God isn't done yet. Trust God when you can't trace God. Stand to your feet. 
Hold your hands out. Here's what I'd like to do. <clears throat> Take the, I want you to get with your family. Wherever you're standing, if your family is close to you, I want you to get with them. I want you to hold hands. Let's go ahead and do that. Put your arm around them. Hold. I want ham families to get together. I feel like God, the Father wants to release a blessing today. I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what this year has been like. But I do believe this is a now word because I know what I've gone through. If I told you about what I went through this week, you would think that is, the devil does stupid stuff. He's really not that smart. But his goal is to get us out of focus, get us out of position, to get us from stop believing that our father is a good father and that father always finishes his story well. He, get, he tries to get us to believe that our identity is what we're going through, not what we're going to. And the reality is my identity never changed. Whether I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because his rod and his staff is with me and he has prepared a table in the presence of my enemies where he is anointing my head with fresh oil and fresh anointing for new assignments, a new season. Listen, I believe that the greatest season of our life is in front of us. Now listen, is it going to get bad? It's going to get bad out there, but it's going to get better in here. Because God has, what Chris prophesied is so in time, he has an assignment for our light to shine. For us to be the salt. But here's what it's going to be. It's going to be when people look at you while there's famine in the land, they look at you and see there's a blessing, a breakthrough on your family. I want to declare to you, I don't believe we've seen that. I don't believe that there's been a big difference between the church and the world. In fact, statistics say divorce is the same out there as it is in here. But I believe we're coming into a new season where God is going to differentiate between the wheat and the chaff if you will remain true to him and you will keep your eyes on him in the midst of the storm. God is going to bring you through like gold and people are going to look at you and say there's something different different about you. And I want to declare the greatest revival that God is about to release. It's not just because there's glory in the room, but it's going to be because there's glory flowing out of you. And they're going to run to you because you in the midst of the storm are able to say, peace be still. And you're able to get to the other side. Come on, somebody. I want you to right now over your family, just put your arms in. I want you to agree with me. I declare breakthrough over your family. I declare unexpected breakthrough. I declare prodigals are coming home. I declare prayers that you've prayed a long time ago are about to be answered. I declare this is a turnaround season for you. I declare that Jesus is your redeemer and he is your restorer. And I want to speak over you today loud and clear. May your house be like the house of Perez. May your children be like the house of Perez. May your finances and your family, your job, your ministry, God is getting ready. I heard this in worship. God is getting ready to release unexpected provision 
Unexpected provision. Peter, go catch. How are you going to pay the taxes? My call is to ministry. My call is to be light and salt. I want to focus on taking the gospel. How are you going to do it, Peter? He, and he, or he said, how am I going to do it, Jesus? Jesus says, go and catch a fish. And when you open his mouth, there will be a coin in his mouth. And go and pay your taxes. I believe God is about to release un unexpected breakthrough in your finances where people are going to be able to go to the nations. I heard the Lord. I just want to prophesy real quick. I've got, just stay right there. I got five, uh, three, two minutes, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll either dismiss or Chris, if he wants to come again. I believe this is the, the kind of the end. Greg and Susan, I had a dream about you last night. Let me say this to Chris first. When the Lord says he's increasing your connection to heaven. And that dreaming is going to become more, I just speak increase to what the Holy Spirit's doing in you. I hear uh, this is going to be a, a season for both of you where you're going to hear from God so clearly what the Father's saying. And He's going to use dreams. He's going to use the voice in the night, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the whisper in the night to begin to go and see incredible miracles and breakthrough. There's even going to be people that, that you've never met that God is going to give you downloads and tell you exactly where to go. And I see the Lord taking you to business people that are lost in the world but have a gift of financial provision. The Lord's going to show you. Now, this I believe in the supernatural more than anything. I believe in the supernatural. And you're going to have you're going to have divine instructions. It's going to be like Saul and the other guy when he said, "Go by the way," and you'll meet him there. Remember that that whole encounter. I believe that's getting ready to that God is in. I just speak increase to that in you. You're going to dream so much more. You're going to dream about the future. You're going to dream. It's not even just natural dreams of vision, but it's actually dreams from heaven. And Greg and Susan, I heard the Lord said, God is not retiring you. He's refiring you. A fresh, hotter flame is being ignited in you. Giftings that you never knew you had are being awakening. A re reigniting of dreams and desires. And the father said, in this dream, I was I actually was watching. He was he was talking to you. And I had to hear the conversation. It was like I was overhearing it. And, and this is what he said. The father has great plans for you in these last days. A time of greater clarity and understanding and purpose and new assignments. He is pleased with your value for your family. But in this season, he is drawing your family into your purpose. <laughs> He's drawing your family into your purpose and your assignment. And God is going to enlarge the circle of your family that's going to become a mission-driven family that's going to begin to... I saw the Lord opening nations for you. And I heard the Lord say there's team ministry that you're going to be a part of that's carrying the fire into the nations. Carriers of the flame. And God says, get ready because I'm enlarging your world and I'm enlarging your map. And the Lord even says, even in this house, I'm going to restir what was in the beginning. I'm going to, I'm rekindling it. And I just see there's new, it's almost like people are going to look at you and they're going to see gifts that they did not see before. They're going to become so clear. And there's a shift of place where you're going to step into your place. And the Lord says, I'll let you have family and your purpose. But if you'll focus on my purpose first, he said, I'll take care of the family and I'll draw them in. Somebody give God praise for that.
For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.